so welcome to the Car Dealer Pro podcast. Today we've got Mark from TVS Total Total Vehicle Solutions. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. It. And um, yeah, so so where are you based then, mate? Where are you? Uh... We're we're up in Glasgow. We're in Scotland, just kind of on the outskirts, uh, about kind of fifteen minutes from Glasgow city centre. Brilliant. And can you uh, like sum up your business in one minute then? one it's just selling cars that we start mainly what we like and fixing them and trying to do it as well as we can with at least amount of comebacks and how many do you stock then uh, generally we've got about 60 or so in stock with generally it's meant to be about 50 advertised at any one time and about 10 in prep and uh, how, how many will you sell then if you've got 50 in stock then on average last month was 42 but that was a good month if we do between a kind of minimum of 25, 25 is a bad month, kind of up to I think about 35 is an average month. Brilliant. And um, so having all these cars, like, have you got a workshop as well in tour? Well, when I started, I the reason I got into this, I was a mechanic to trade. I was an apprentice mechanic and the wages are terrible. I think I was in £550 a month. Which <laughs> right. So doesn't I doesn't go very far. How old are you as well, by the way, if that's all? Okay. I'm 29 now. Right, oh, so yeah, you're really young then. Yeah, so when I, I started this out, it just, it was a hobby. Like, people, like, I remember one of the time, her first, the first ever car I bought from auction, my friend needed a car and said, you know about cars, come with me auction, find me a good one. And it was a Satchel VTS at Central Car Auctions in Glasgow. Yeah. I said, it's a mint thing, buy it. And, he bottled it at the last minute, would put his hand up, and I just went, <sighs> my hand went up, and I bought it for 700 done a couple of bits to it, sold for 1500 and mm-hmm. I went, that's really easy money, and that's how I topped up my wages and kind of made money, and I really enjoyed doing it, and it just progressed from being a hobby to a full-time job. So basically, when I finished my apprenticeship, I worked at a garage for several years, and then the car sales took over, I had to leave. But the garage I served my apprenticeship at, the guy that owned that, one of my friends, he retired a year ago. So I bought over the workshop and now I run that on a day-to-day basis. So how did you go from, you know, starting off buying that car for £700 to getting 60 cars in stock in, in quite a short space of time as well, really, isn't it? Well, it's, gonna, it's just over 10 years now. And it's just started off pretty much kind of similar to as you had Rory on the other week, course SXIs, and a lot of things that he said kind of were really familiar to me, buying the ones that are modified, putting them back to standard. Yeah. When I started, it was Corsa Cs and Renault Megane Scenics, which are terrible cars, but <laughs> yeah. all the other traders stayed away from the auction, but I could fix all the bits really easily myself. The timing belts and defaser pulleys, the faulty windows, and I could make good margin in them because the French stuff, there is decent margins in it, although yeah. it is harder work. Yeah, I always noticed that in the auction as well uh, when I first started. Anything French that went through, you could always get a good bargain, couldn't you? Because yeah. I, th- I think the majority of traders that, that are in the auctions, you know, the, the traders aren't, they're not, not mechanics. And I could never get my head round why. Mechanics weren't at the auction like every week. 
I just couldn't get my head round it. I thought if I could fix a car, I'd be in here. But by like like doing what you were doing, and it, it does give you a big advantage, doesn't it? Getting them. Well, I loved the stuff with faults because it meant I got it cheaper and I rattled yeah. through them. I mean, the the rain began just to have, be really bad for the windows going. Yeah, yeah. All the and electrics you, were terrible on them, weren't they? Yeah, you'd buy a wee module box. It was a guy in Ireland that used to sell them on eBay, and I think they were twenty quid, and it fixed it. But I remember I used to do that many, and I'd buy them in batches of twenty at a time to get them cheaper. It was between that and coarser timing chains. You always get the coarser seas cheap with the rattling timing chains. Yeah. Whereas now I'm the opposite. I shy away from anything French and rattly timing chains because it's now I'm not doing it myself. Although I'm paying more mechanics to do it, it's still time consuming. Yeah, yeah. Is it taking? If you were to buy them cars with faults, would it would it take up too much time in your uh, workshop? Yeah, I, I want the easy stuff now, in, out, yeah. done. Yeah. And we, we've, we have been moving, trying to move away. Was from, from listening to one of your podcasts recently, it was kind of a good point about courses. So we've got one unit, and it is full of just small stuff like courses, Igos, Fiestas. And it was a good point. It made you never really get trade-ins, and they're always hard work. So yeah. I've decided over the past kind of couple of weeks that I'm going to move away from them and try and just do more of the stuff we like doing, which is your Audis, BMs, Mercs, yeah. because there's better margin, you're more likely to get a trade-in and more likely to get the finance commission. Definitely. I mean, them them small ones as well, I, mean, I don't want to like up in Scotland, but you, you can be sitting on them for months, can't you? Just waiting for that right customer. Well, my logic with them at first was that it's, very, it's a lot easier to cross-sell them yeah. For example, if somebody comes in to see a black Corsex SXI you've got yeah. and they don't like it for whatever reason, if you've got four other ones there, it's very easy to get them yeah. into that. Yeah. Whereas if somebody comes in to see a BM3 series you've got and they don't like it, it's generally their heart set in a 3 series. They're not interested in a C-class or anything similar. Yeah. They just That's what they want and that's it. So it's they have both... It's easier to cross-sell, but you're losing out on the finance commission and the good part exchanges. Yeah, just the opportunity, isn't it? You're missing out on all the opportunity. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a few, a good few, I think about four years ago, I had this brilliant idea to just sell 107s, C1s and Igos, because uh, the, the pitch I was on, it could only fit like 15 cars on. But I thought, right, if I get like, I can probably get 22 C1s, Igos and uh, 107s on there. So I thought it was a brilliant idea. And honestly, it was just, looking back, it, it was a bloody nightmare. Like all them first-time drivers that were, were turning up. And um, you'd have like a cheap one on for like, say, I don't know, 1500 two grand, hoping that someone would say, oh, we'll, we'll get the better one. But normally, if if they've only got 1500 quid it's like it's the last 1500 quid isn't it and yeah. you, you can't like if you're selling a bit something a bit more luxurious they're going to want that like they're going to you know take the, the the more expensive car because they've got the money but with them sort of small cars it, it's just hard work isn't it i find them hard as well because all the kind of young girls and young boys they don't want a 10 year old car they want a brand new one just out the wrapper but yeah. That's not yeah. achievable. You can tell the mum and dad are trying to push them into the sensible one, but they'll just turn their nose up <laughs> because they've learned in a nice new car, they want a nice new car. Yeah. And they always say that, that like their dad's like, 
this is for my daughter, so I want I want a re you know, I want a really safe car. And I think, well, even if I wasn't selling it to your daughter, I'd be selling it to someone else as a safe car. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we only sell safe cars, even if it's well, you know, not all traders do. Yeah, yeah, I suppose there is. We, we, not, we all know that the few that don't, the few that go to the auction and just buy them and fling them out and yeah, don't care. Yeah, 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 definitely there is. But but you know what, I think, like them ones, I think they do stick out like sore thumb, you know, like Facebook Marketplace and all, all that type of stuff. Um, I, I just think if you're going to buy the cheapest car out, it's like buy cheap, buy twice, isn't it? That old yeah. saying. But yeah, so you've you've got away from the the smaller cars. You, you're going to concentrate on more um, of the sports and performance. That's the stuff I like yeah. doing. When I started off, I always had a couple of small cars. But when I started trying to do the nicer stuff, I done it really really wrong. Like I bought stuff that I liked that just did not sell yeah. at all. So I was buying old V8 Range Rovers, old V8 Seven Series BMWs. It cost me a fortune to fix. And they were never popular to sell because who can afford to run a 4.4 V8 generally? And any that can will be buying one at £20,000, not at £3,000. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. I'm, I'm the same. Any car that I buy that I really like, I always have it forever. So just stick... Like You've, you've got to buy stuff that you like, that like you want to sell, but anything that you, you get emotional about, you always sit... Well, in my instance, I always seem to have them forever because I've got to... Too into it, too emotional with the car. I, I hate cars sitting about. I, it, it annoys me. See if I have it more than an, a month, it starts to kind of drive me up the wall. And I've never had a car have a birthday, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. I yeah, just yeah. cut it, cut it, cut it, and let's go. If I lose money on it, so be it. I'll make my money on the next one. So, have you you stopped turnover then? You don't mind making a lot. So, say it gets to like sixty days, just cut your losses. Reduce uh, when it. it gets to that, we'll just start taking a hundred pound off it every kind of couple of weeks, just till it goes. Yeah. And you might you might lose money, but you might get a good part exchange that you do make the money on, or you just meet a really good person that then comes back and buys another car in the future. So it, it's swings and roundabouts yeah. in that respect. Yeah. It's like um, something Rory said as well, like about. If you're holding out for them two grand margins all the time, where you could be turning over the five hundreds constantly, just keep turning your money round, and I think I think that's what's really important. But look, like looking at your website, and I mean you've got some stuff up to like fifty grand, haven't you? Um, do you have the same sort of mindset on that that really expensive stuff as well, or will you will you hold on to that a little bit longer? I'll hold on to it a wee bit longer, but. In the same way, I don't like really expensive stuff because I don't think we've got the right premises for it. Right. We are just, we've got two industrial units and a yard. It's not fancy. It's not a big like glass showroom. And I think that's what puts me off having loads of really expensive cars because I think when people are spending that much money, that's what they want. They want, not all the time, but they do want a nice showroom. That's, yeah. I think that's what sells the car, the experience almost. So that's why I'll always think £15,000, £20,000, anything above that, I don't really like that as much. So do you think that's, that's just in your head, psychologically? Yeah, I don't know if I'm right with that or not, but I, I just think that, from my point of view, if I turned up to buy a £50,000 car from our premises, I'd be a bit, mm. yeah. it's a bit bland and industrial. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, see, I think that is just, it just depends on the customer. And uh, I, I, I think you I think you could sell cars for £50,000 from, from where you're at. I've seen your, your adverts online and everything, and everything's done, like, really high standard, good online. And I think an online president, presence is, is the main thing. So I, I think, personally, that, that's just in, in, in your head. I think, I think you could easily sell 50 grand cars. But when you do sell them 50 granders, do you, do you always get a good margin out of them, or sometimes you have to cut your losses on them as well? I think some the margins on an expensive car, I really think they're not that much better than a car at fifteen to twenty thousand. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I think you're really you're you're hoping for the finance commission, and if you can't get that, it, is it worthwhile? Would you have been better stocking two cars at fifteen grand each that would have turned quicker, and you'd have two chances of getting the finance commission? Definitely. I mean, like if if you were starting out again and you had say like twenty grand. What would you do? Would you go out and buy four or five grand cars? Or would you go out and buy ten two grand cars? I'd probably go with the ten two grand cars. Yeah. The, yeah. the cheap and easy courses again that yeah. I know I can... I yeah. know them inside out. I know what goes. I know how, everything about them. I know how easily you can, you can sell them. And and, and that's, that's sort of like position that, that we're in where I work. You get offered a really expensive car every now and again. And I want to take it, but then I think, oh, God, like, say, I don't know, 20 grand car. But in my head, I think, oh, that could be four or five grand cars. Well, it's not guaranteed, but I think I can turn them four or five granders round quicker than a 20 grand one. But again, is that is that just in my head, you know? I think it all depends on the car and the spec. If it's a 20 grand Kia Sportage, yeah, I think you'll sit on it for ages, but yeah. if it's the right car, if it's the right Audi with the right interior, say it's got the super sport seats and the pan roof, it's going to sell really quickly because people are so spec specific these days. And do you find that having the high spec cars definitely sell quicker? Yeah, what, what we've started doing a lot now uh, is buying your BMWs, your 3 Series and your 5 Series, it's too, see the options, it's too expensive to buy the high-spec ones, I've found. With, see the moment, it's got the fancy body kit and the wheels. You're thousands and thousands into book. So I even buy the normal ones and we kit them ourselves and we put the wheels on them ourselves. Ah, right, right. And it's a cheaper option for us. And do you find people, they don't mind then, that it's, it's, it's not like an original... You do get a couple of people that say, is a kit genuine? And we do say no, but you get a lot of people that do, they just don't ask. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, it's, if the kits are decent enough quality, then it does it really make a difference? It's arguable. Yeah. It's not cheap fiberglass. As long as it's plastic, it's not going to shatter. It's, if they're decent quality, the customer should still be happy with it. All you're paying extra for BMW is a badge. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And the neighbours aren't going to know, are they? When the, exactly, and that's what most people are buying them cars for, aren't they? To impress the neighbours. Um, yeah. And it must be a buzz then when you've put all these like uh, body kits on, or you, you know, you've you've done them up really nice, and then they sell within like two weeks. That must be a, a great feeling. But that's the type of cars I like selling. I like selling the ones that look nice with a nice kit. So I actually enjoy getting a car that doesn't look that nice, and then making it look yeah a million dollars. Yeah, you're adding value, aren't you? Yeah, and I think that that's that's like a big 
that's it's really hard in this 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 job. It's like when you see so much stuff go through online, and you're trying to make a margin, and some stuff goes so expensive that you think, oh god, there's there's no way of making a margin on that. So you've hit the nail on the head there by saying what you've got to look for is to add value to these cars. If you want to buy right, buy at the right price. Look for cars that you can add value to. And I used to look for cars, let's like, like say, that have problems and stuff like that. But for me, the ones that have problems, I always seem to get me legging too much. And I think, right, I'm not buying any of these cars with problems anymore. I'm just going to stick to, you, you know, something that's a bit a bit safer. So I suppose if you're buying cars that are um, mechanically sound and then you're sticking a body kit on and that, it's a win-win situation for you. Well, the way I've been looking at it is, for example, for a 5 Series BMW, say or some cars will have diamond cut wheels and you'll need to refurb them. Now, a diamond cut wheel refurb, including VAT, costs us just under £300. Now, to buy a brand new set of 20s for the car, for a 5 Series uh, kind of M4 replicas or whatever, it costs us around £500. The tyres will cost us maybe two fifty, so it's at seven fifty. But the way I see it is, I take take three hundred pound off that because I've just spent that diamond cutting the wheels anyway, and take off another two hundred pounds that I'll get for the old wheels second hand. How much does it actually cost me to add on the value and make my car so much different than everybody else's? Yeah, and the brand new wheels. And that is a selling point. Brand new wheels and tyres. Okay, they're budget tyres, which puts some people off, but that's that. somebody will buy it. And I bet you have no problem selling the second-hand diamond cut wheels, do you? No, that we sell them constantly, and they're an easy sale. Just put them in Gumtree, and they're usually gone within a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And um, so, so if you don't mind me asking, what what sort of margin will you will you look to make on them type of BMWs? I make fifteen hundred pounds. I'm happy. Anything more than that is really good. Yeah. But in the same way, if I make a thousand pounds, I'm still happy. Yeah, yeah. And the other good thing is, you know, you're not going to be sitting on it. You know, that's going to keep turning round, don't you? Yeah, because even if you're not making a huge margin in the car, if you get a great part exchange, sometimes you make more money on the part exchange because you're getting it at the right money. Yeah, 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 definitely. Which is the hardest thing to do at the moment with BCA prices being. As high as they are. Yeah, and are they, are they still? Because ha- I've I've tried not to buy online for the last month or so. Um, and is it is it still like sky high at the minute? I think anything nice always is and always will be. The moment it's a white BM Mercury Audi with nice wheels and decent history, it's always going to be fairly expensive. Wow. Whereas if you can attract, maybe you might be getting one that's slightly older, but one of these cars is a trade-in. You're, you can oh, get yeah. it for below book which is a massive help yeah definitely even if you get it just under like cap clean you're still two three hundred pounds better off aren't you yeah well a lot of cars are going well over book so if you get we got a white audi 7 trade in at the weekend and i got it for the guy who's a returning customer he'd bought a range rover from us before so i would usually went slightly lower but a returning customer always try and keep them happy and keep yeah. them coming back. I got it for cap clean for a white Audi seven with good spec and good history. If that had been in the auction, I think that would be at least five hundred pound overbook yeah. plus your fees. Yeah, 
that that's it. You can't just go by the book price, can you? I don't like, especially when you see a nice car, and and when you sat online looking, you, you just know it's gonna go sky high, don't you? And I just think like. What what because the, then when you go on Auto Trader, like what are they putting them on the internet for? Like how are they making a margin on it? Do you think they're just relying on the finance? I don't get one of the ones I was looking for a, a kind of runabout for my missus, and I was looking for a TT. I, I was originally wanting a nice TTS, but I gave up because I couldn't get one at the right money. So I saw a white diesel one at one hundred and fifty thousand miles. And I thought, well, those engines are fine. I thought it would go for cheap because of the mileage yeah. and it said no service history. It's still done £800, I think, or so over book. And I found it online a few weeks later, a car supermarket, and there was only a, just over a £500 margin on it. Which, by the time you MOT it, prep it, I, don't, I just don't get where the money is in that. Yeah, it, it must be in the finance, must it? It must be in all the add-ons. But, but how, how in the same it? respect, you can't find that it's a hundred and fifty thousand mile car, or maybe you can, but not many companies will touch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why is a car supermarket selling a car like that with such high mileage? It was. What is it? What, I, mean, I don't think it was maybe a trade centre type place. I can't remember ah, the name right. of it. But it, was, it was down south somewhere. They had a lot of lot of cars. I think it was about three hundred cars. Yeah, yeah. So, so whoever's buying the cars, it's more important that they've got three hundred cars in stock all the time, isn't it? I think, yeah. I think the look that that that's more important than margin, isn't it, to the car supermarket? Mm-hmm. So, but with with having so with having like fifty cars, well, sixty cars in stock, how many will you buy a week? Then are you like you're just constantly online trying to buy stuff. I'm addicted to the BCA app. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's really it's good. Dangerous. Yeah. It's, it used to be you'd have your kind of black and white sheets and go through everything. Uh, but now you can see pictures grading it's it's fantastic yeah so I'll try and buy between I'll try and buy them in lots of about five to six at any one time the reason I do that is because we've got our own transporter right so I'll try and make sure that I always get a full load for the truck because I hate sending the truck out for just one or two right I see what you mean the, the problem with the BCA is and the buy it now is on a Friday night I have a drink and it won't be the first time <laughs> and it won't be the last time I've bought things online and uh, it seemed like a great idea at that time but then it's yeah terrible yeah yeah you have done that and so see like right this is my thing at the minute like I don't know about you but I really hate like I hate like, I love going to the auction I always loved going to the auction but as I've got older um I just, I just hate buying cars on that. But I hate buying cars from the auction, you know, because you obviously pay so much and everything. So the last few cars that I've bought, I've bought it on the buy it now. Would do you re- recommend buy it now, as much as like buying in the hall? We've had some great bargains on the buy it now. I think we we got the best bargains when we first started hearing about COVID and everything. We went into our first lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Not many people were buying. So we got some absolutely incredible bargains, yeah. but now not so much because I think back then there was a lot of traders that, that didn't deal with online at all. But now they've been forced to because there's no other option to yeah. to buy stock. So a lot of the old timers that maybe didn't shy away from it now have to buy online. Yeah, and they're thinking, oh, it's not as bad. It's not. 
all the old school traders like, I'd never buy online. Oh, I'm not buying a car until I see it. But it's, it's probably changed their, their way of thinking now, hasn't it? I'm not 100% keen on it because I would rather use my own ears to hear things and see things that you can't see in a photo, like paintwork and it noises, a noise of an engine. Like You're not going to hear a timing tune yeah. rattle and start up, yeah. and DC certainly aren't going to notice that on the reports. And do, do you know what I've done as well? Like, I don't know if you've done the same, but I've took a gamble on quite a few cars where it says that it's smoking and then it's got to the pitch on the delivery truck and it's not even smoking. It's absolutely fine. And then last week we bought one that was smoking and it really was smoking. <laughs> it was that, it chugged off the, uh, off the trailer, you know, but sometimes you've got to take a chance on, on them because that's where the bargains to be had, aren't there? Certain things for me, if I see a car with a certain fault, I'll buy it because from the workshop experience, I know how to fix it and I know it's easy. But on the same respect, it also throws a negative to me because there's a lot of cars and engines so on that I won't touch because I deal with that many problem ones in the yeah. workshop from customers. So like your one for TFSI your Volkswagen engine, yeah. I hate them. Yeah. Uh, and then petrol BMWs, the smaller engines like the 318s, I hate them because of the amount of issues they have so no matter if there's no warning lights I still will generally flip by it because I think mm, yeah. I'm scared of that Yeah, and even though you can fix them you still shy away from them then you still think right I'm not having that because it's just going to take up too much of my time I just don't want the customer coming back, it could be fine at the time but then six weeks down the line a problem because I don't I'd rather have something that chances are will be you can't predict things going wrong but chances are something that will last and they won't have any issues with see th- this what you're saying um, ba- so, so basically like we've got like we've got about 45 cars on the pitch but we haven't got our own like you've got your own workshop we haven't got our own workshop and obviously the more cars you sell, the percentage, there's going to be a high percentage coming back. And that's the worst thing about not having a workshop because it's, you know, you're not in control of the situation. And, and hopefully at some point we, we might get a workshop, hopefully. And I always thought that if I had a workshop, when cars come back, it would be far less stressful because then it's in my hands and I can fix them and tell whoever's working in the workshop, right, get off that. Let's sort this out now. Do you know what I mean? But 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 it's not like that then. Even though you've got your own workshop, you still dread the thought of them coming back. Yeah, it's still a pain because it, I, I just hate stuff coming back. I don't suppose that nobody's going to like it, but it's... And I, in fairness, our workshop doesn't have the same name as our sales garage or just completely different businesses. And I we tend to not tell customers that they are related just for the reason that if... I don't ever want, if a customer goes shouting about a car they bought from the sales garage, I don't want it giving the workshop a bad reputation and vice versa. But when they're, so they're in completely different sites, so we just send them up to say, we tell customers it's our approved workshop, they come in and we deal with it, and it's as simple as that. And also that way it stops them going with big lists and stuff. We say, well, we're here to look at the what the issue is but it stops them going, oh, there's a wee squeak here, can you have a look at that? And coming back for all the wee stupid niggly things that you expect with a used car. 
that's the worst thing when, say, you sell a car. Like we sold this Octavia uh, the other day, and just as we sold it, that brake pad light came on. You know, for the pads, even though we put brand new pads on, and now we've got to say, oh. Do you want to? You're gonna to have to come back Friday and we'll get it fixed. But you know that when he comes back on Friday, there'll be something else that he'll want you to have a look at. So, yeah, you just don't want these customers living with you, basically. Yeah, if they th- sometimes customers think that when they've bought the car, they've got a lifetime warranty and they keep coming back. So, I think the reason we've got them quite separate is it manages their expectations, they, they can't come back to the sales garage and say, I've got a squeak there because. The guys will we it'll need to be the workshop that'll look at that, you'll need to book it in with them. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. They're not saying we shy away from fixing problems. If there's a problem that gets fixed, it's as simple as that. But then being daft niggles, like the be squeaker, the be rattle that you're never ever going to be able to find anyway. Yeah. It stops that. So so like with you being twenty nine then, like what what's your sort of like ten year plan then? What what what's your goals then? Because, I mean to to me where you are now, I think it's absolutely fantastic i think you've done amazing like what are you going to aim for 100 cars then in the next 10 years i did have that in mind but i don't think i could handle the stress I, like, I don't get a minute to myself i think i want to more step away from it slightly i want to do some more vans i've decided i want to i think if i got to kind of 60 cars ready and prepped and then kind of 15 vans I would be happy and I think I would just let it sit like that but the, the next thing I want to do is, is buy premises instead of rent because it's it would be a pension for me when I do retire yeah I think that's the, the one thing that we've all got to do is is buy our premises you know um, the, the, where I am where I rent the, the, the chap where I rent it from you know, he had, um, I think he had three big car pictures and all them. He, he rents out now, he's retired. And the money he earns from just his rent is probably, you know, triple what I earn in a year. So that's, that is definitely, that's, that, that's the long game, isn't it? Um, there's this bloke I follow on YouTube, I was on his podcast, he's called James Sinclair, and he calls it fast pound, slow pounds. Basically... Like your fast pounds is is selling your cars, the money's coming in, going out, and then every year try and buy some sort of commercial property or property to rent out. And and if you do that once or twice a year, every year, in the next 10 years, you're going to be sorted, aren't you? Well, it's it's just such a massive saving. I think kind of all in between, we've got two units, kind of, a sales yard, a storage yard, and then the workshop premises. Between all of them, we are over three thousand pounds a month. Yeah, yeah. A business mortgage would be nowhere near that, and it's an investment for your future. Definitely. So, could you buy your business premises from your landlord? No, but I, I wouldn't want to anyway. I would want to go somewhere that I can combine everything into the one place yeah. I can have the yeah. workshop next door to the sales yard and so on because our sales yard is about four miles away from the workshop ah right so so a lot of staff yeah. time is wasted yeah. going up and down up and down yeah all day yeah that, that I bet that adds up big time doesn't it the amount of uh, running about you do don't get me wrong it's good it gives you an opportunity to drive the cars and make sure there's no warning lights that come on after yeah. a certain amount of miles, but 
does waste time. Definitely. So, so your ideal outcome is just like one big plot of land where you could stick everything. I'd like to self-build somewhere that we could custom build the way we want it. Yeah. And being up in Scotland then, because the, the thing is like, you, you don't need to be in a city centre, do you? You know what I mean? With our job, that's the great thing. Like, like where we are, we're out in the sticks, you know. As long as you, you've got good um, motorway connections and stuff like that, is, is that what you're going to look for then? Something like on the outskirts or, or would you want we somewhere? Are, it's, I'd want somewhere very close to where we are. We are on the outskirts already. And actually when I moved house, I moved to be closer to the garage. So I, only, I can be either garage within about four minutes from the house, which is ideal for me. I stay in the middle of both of them. Right. So I wouldn't move anywhere further. That would mean I would have to drive further. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I like being able to be there and see what's going on. If See at the weekends, if the sales guys get a trade in, something that, for example, we get an Evo in as a trade in the other day, I get the phone call to come down and look at it and make sure yeah. it's all right because the sales guys aren't mechanically minded. And I'd be raging if it was a lemon. <laughs> You'd be ready to kill him. <laughs> yeah. So what? So 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 how many people do you employ then? Well, d- down at the sales, my brother runs that day to day, and then we have two sales slash valeters. So all our, all our staff can do everything. I don't have specific sales people, specific valeters. Everybody can do the same job, and they can muck in. I just I don't see the point in having a salesman who's going to do can't do it unless those customers on site doesn't really have anything to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that well basically I'm the salesman, and then I'm doing all the accountant stuff, online stuff, and and I did think in my head I thought should I get a salesman? You know, would would it free up my time? But then I think a salesman there's not enough for him to do just as a salesman. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And I don't like the stigma of sales and I don't like pushy sales tactics Yeah. I don't like when it's done to me so I wouldn't like it done to somebody else I tell the guys answer the questions but don't push them if they want to know something about the car answer it but don't try and pressure them into things I, I just think them days are gone now aren't they of people but don't get me wrong Yeah, there's a lot of car supermarkets and I bet there is a, a big place for, for them type of salesmen but I think in an independent, like like what we're doing, it, it doesn't suit what we're doing, does it? Yeah, and I think with certain customers, they don't like dealing with somebody in a suit. They want somebody that's dressed the same as them. Yeah. In fairly casual clothes, like a polo shirt, they can relate to them more. Definitely. We've customers comment that before. I like being able to, someday I can be on the same wavelengths with and talk to without feeling that they are superior to me. And um, it, it's just, like, I think another great thing about this job is like meeting new people. You know, you meet so many different characters, don't you? Like customers and whatnot. Don't get me wrong, a lot of them are, are a nightmare. But when you just click with that customer, you know, that's right nice, you just click with them, don't you? And you just know you're going to... I can confirm that because I'm getting married to one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I sold my, my partner her uh, first car years ago. Oh, was it a car, sir? It was, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was SXI. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So what happened then? What what, what happened then? Did uh, 
Oh, did did, did she have a word? Yeah, I was going to ask what she took words out of your mouth. Did she bring it back for anything? No, it's, it's never came back for anything. And it was only when I moved up to East Kilbride, uh, I started talking. I'd met her one day and I started talking. She's like, do you not remember me? You sold me my first car. Did I? <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't remember her name, but I could remember the registration of the course that I sold her and the mileage and everything like that. Did she take that as an insult? Well, she's kind of learned that I don't remember anything unless it's a registration number yeah. these days. <laughs> my, my memory's terrible, but I have a brilliant memory for registrations. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And, and then what happened there? Did you watch just... It just went from there. And she, she, when I met her the second time, she'd moved on to a Fiat 500, so that was <laughs> the first thing to get rid of. <laughs> and what, do, what, what, what does she think it's like then, being with a, a car trader? Like, like my wife gives me some right shit honestly she's like you're always at work you're always you're always on the job even yeah, in the same I, situation I when we're on holiday it's like you're on holiday get off the phone you shouldn't be buying cars yeah. or you shouldn't be looking at the cameras and I, I don't know how to function without uh, looking at cars and seeing what I'm going to buy next and so on it's a, it's a vicious cycle isn't it like it, you're either built for this life or you're not. It's very intense and twenty-four-seven. Like, say you have a good month. Sometimes I, I, it doesn't stress me out, but I think, oh God, I, what, what if we don't do as many next month? Like, what if we can't get the same sort of cars? What if it's, it's like you, you, your mind's constantly going round, isn't it? Well, we're all we're all gamblers, and. For example, I know like there's certain people, I think Nick is one of the sensible people, that he puts his money by for his VAT return after every sale. I don't. I plow it all in to buying more cars and more cars, and I'll pull the money out at the last minute to pay my VAT return. Yeah, yeah. Have, have you ever had any uh, like tricky months there where you thought, oh, God, bloody hell? There's t- times I bought loads of stock and like, oh, shit, I need to pay a, like, over a 10 grand VAT bill next week, and I'm going, something needs to sell. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really skinned. But thankfully, it's yeah. always panned out and I've always done all right. I've always managed it. Yeah. I, I always thought that. I always thought, um, well, what I thought in my head was like, like we've got assets that you, you can sell, not, like, not sell them easily, but like, say, if you have got a big VAT bill, you've just got to sell a car, haven't you? Yeah, that's my thought, but I always drag it out to the last minute. I think I'll be able to sell one more. I'll just buy this one and I'll sell it. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it's just too close to the wire sometimes. Yeah, I was. Ex- I must admit, I was exactly the same. But then, this I read this book called Profit First, and basically it's all about like. Long story short, if you, if you make a grand margin, say it, just keep it simple. You make a thousand pounds, and let's say that your overheads are six grand a month. And on average, you sell 10 cars a month. So if you've got a grand margin in a car, you put 60% of that grand into your, uh, your, your, your overheads account. So 10 cars, 600 is 6 grand, which covers your, your overheads. Do you know what I mean? And then you put 20% in your VAT stroke tax account. And then the other 20%, 10% goes in a profit account and 10% goes back into your stock account. And I've done that for, well, since March. And I must admit, it's the, one of the best things I've ever done. It's the first time ever. Like, I've got a, 
like when the VAT bill comes round, it's no stress. There's enough in there. You know what I mean? There's enough there. Uh, but I, I know what you mean. It's hard because you think, oh, I could be buying a car with that money. But psychologically, it is a lot. It's a lot less stressful. So I'd recommend. I'd recommend doing that definitely. But I'm like, too much of a gambler. I'm always yeah. I could make more money with that. I just I want to keep it moving, and I'm really bad for just buying cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was the same. Honestly, I was. You sit because you you have like a big chunk of money in the bank, and you think, God, I can go and buy you know, whatever car, and you think, just think of the margin in that, and think of the profit, and, uh, yeah, we're just gamblers, that's what we are, we're just gamblers. I think with the more stock you get, the easier the cash flow becomes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's, in the early days, it's like, uh, your account balance is very low, and you're worried about all the bills, but with the more stuff you do, there's money just constantly in, out, and out, so generally, yeah. it, it's not, I think it's not as stressful now as it was two years ago. And, and two years ago, did, did you have like 50 cars in stock? I uh, know, I think we were only about 30, 35 then. So like, uh, if you had to start out again, would you do anything differently then? Or are you, are you right happy how it's all turned out so far? I'm fairly happy the way it's worked out. I would just have avoided some of the mistakes I made, like the big V8 petrol stuff that I loved. Because that just doesn't work, it didn't work for me. But everything else, it, we, we've done fairly well with. And I think kind of keeping everything in-house is brilliant for keeping the cost down. So you just buy the cars then? Is that what you would say you, your, your main job is? I, I, I buy them, so I, I do find that quite hard sometimes with online auctions because I'm busy in the workshop and sometimes I'll be under the bonnet of a car, I'll have my phone up somewhere in the scuttle and I'll be trying to swipe bid while doing something else at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I buy the cars. I'll bring them into the workshop, look over them. With the sales side of things, I'll generally just go down there on a Saturday, look round, moan, and pick up on niggles that nobody else sees. And other than that, they just get left to do it. Brilliant. I, I'm really, really fussy with valeting, which I know I'm a nightmare for my guys to deal with. <laughs> right. I pick up on the smallest B things. I like it to be as close to perfect as we can get. So how, how do you deal with that then? Because my uh, valetor, great valetor, but, you know, n- no one's as good a valetor as you, either. You know what I mean? If, like, me or you are clean our own car, nobody get, gets it as good as us. And I notice every little thing, but I don't want to insult the valetor. So how, how do you work your way around that without pissing anyone off? Probably just piss them off, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, what the fuck else is shit? So you just lose I, the shit. Like, if, if I'm down there, if I go down a Saturday, I'll generally walk around all the cars, check various bits and pieces. I'll do that with a clipboard right. and then leave it in the office and say, first thing Monday, that's the list that's to get addressed. And, and what is, what's your bugbear then? What's your biggest bugbear? Uh, indicator stocks. Oh, right, yeah, grubby. On the back of them, it's always dead skin and brown lumpy yeah. stuff it's horrible yeah, it's not. It, between that and tailpipes not being shiny I, I'm, I'm really really hard work with it but it makes a difference in the photos I think yeah. like when the, the tailpipe's shiny the wheels are nice it, yeah. it makes a car jump out in the photos yeah yeah. my worst one's uh, tyre shine if it hasn't got enough tyre shine on it can look terrible in a picture Oh, it's got, it's got to have tyre shine. It's yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't let it not go out, but sometimes, you know, if it's just... Yeah, it's got to have tyre shine on. 
the, the one thing we do for the photos, and as a, from a valent point of view, I hate it because the finish a couple of days later looks horrendous. But see for like the, the bottom grills in a car. Yeah. We use silicon spray on them. Yeah. Yeah. What you do with that? Yeah. It, it's horrible stuff because it goes all dirty and tacky a couple of days later. But in the photos, it always makes it look brilliant. Proper shiny, isn't it? Get everything looking blinging. Clean cars sell. See. Me and you could sell a car, and I could have the worst car out of the two. See if mine looks cleaner and the photos are better. Right, mine will it. probably sell first. I think there can be dealer, a dealer selling a nicer car, but if they've not presented it, it's good. That's the, the customer. The first thing the customer sees is that photo online, so it needs to pop and jump at them and look yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because do you know what? They've bought it even before they've got there. You know, we we had this lady come on Saturday. She said, I'd just like to say, honestly, your pictures, like, this is the reason I'm here, because your pictures stood out from uh, all the other cars that we were looking at. And that, that, to me, is like the best compliment you could give us, because that, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be like an online retailer to be a bit different than everybody else, you know. Well, that, that's a good thing. When the cust- I have the customers phone up before and go... I don't really know what to ask you because you've explained every question in the advert and your pictures are detailed and everything, so uh, <laughs> can I put a deposit on it? And yeah. that's what you want. Yeah, best, best feeling ever, that. But then but the, the, the work... Cl- yeah, sorry, sorry, got, yeah, you go, mate, you go. We've got a Clio going down to London, it's going down the truck tomorrow to London, a 2005 Clio for £10,000. Oh, I've seen that one, that black one. Yeah, and it was so... Just, the guy phoned up and went, it looks brilliant. You've answered all my questions. Let's go, let's do it. Oh, brilliant. And you know... And it takes a lot. Yeah. It takes a lot for somebody just to send a random stranger that amount of money yeah. for a car they've never seen. Yeah, yeah. And, and did he say you could, could have, like, a, a video walk round? Anything yes, like that? Yes, we do a walk round video on everything. Right. And we do commentary on it. I used to do it, now my brother Gerald does it. And now he's got the same issue as me. We'll never, ever watch the video back because we can't bear to hear the sound of their own voice. <laughs> Mate, everybody's the same. Like, every, like me with this, I, nobody likes the sound of their own voice. The customer really like the commentary video. And I think when they come in, because they know his voice, though they've already warmed to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You've hit the nail on the head there. Like, when you when you answer the phone, and um, I must admit, I haven't done any walk-round videos for ages. I don't know why I'll have to start doing them again. But when I used to do them, and people would be like, oh, it's you on the video. And, like, instantly, you sort, yeah, you, you've, you've built that trust up, haven't you? When you're doing the commentary, it's, it, it's a pain, I know. Like, people, like... I think I can't, somebody does really good videos in the forum they spend hours editing them yeah. because of the volume we do we don't have the time to edit them so it needs to be done in one cut yeah. so the most annoying thing is when you're two and a half minutes through a video and you stutter you stammer or something like that or you swear and you have to start it all again yeah yeah, yeah but see you think if you stutter or stammer I think that's it shows like the more human side of you you know, we all make yeah. mistakes, so 
nothing like per perfection sort of perfections it, it, it hinders you trying to be too perfect yeah. and, and you're definitely right there what you've just said about because i was the same I, I try and edit them all do like swishing to the side do all these like fancy angles and then do you know what i thought i haven't got time to edit all this I'm just going to walk yeah, around. It's a full-time job in itself. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you've got like 50 cars online. I mean, we only had like 20 and I was finding it difficult. So, just like that's what you were saying. We do the videos in the good weather. And when we're in Scotland, that's only a couple of days a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, do you know what? I think you can buy this microphone though. Um that you know if it's like really windy on your phone you can connect yeah. it to your phone and then it doesn't it, it's not as uh you can't hear all the wind you know uh i'll have to find out what it is i'll send you a link to it so, one of the best things we bought was a, it's called a gimbal oh yeah yeah we bought one of them yeah i've never used it myself uh it's gerald that's used it he hated it at first i think now he's got the hang of it it just stops the camera shake when you're walking around it yeah yeah, and keeps it a lot smoother and more consistent. Yeah, and they're not that expensive, are they? <laughs> Maybe was it eighty, a hundred quid or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, a good investment, definitely. So, so the the videos then, you think that really helps then? Big time. We'll do that, and then if the customer's not going to come and see the car, if I just want it delivered, we'll then do what I call a what's and all video, and. I'll get one of the guys to go around the car, show how much tread's on each tyre, show the condition of the brake discs, the brake pads, mention every wee stone chip, every wee blemish that we can see, so the customer knows exactly what they're getting and they're not disappointed when the car turns up with a couple of stone chips and a scuff and a wheel or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. even though that's going to London, do you still get a bit of a twitchy bum then? Or... But again, he's had the video. He's had the video going round showing every mark and everything like that so I don't think you'll be disappointed in that no. no and what did he ask you about like how it drove and what not did he was he he, he wanted a video of it driving which is, is not something we've done before it was really hard to do and it was terrible but <laughs> the guy seemed happy with it to be honest right great, great. Oh. the problem with sale this was the 182 was a really easy car to sell. Uh, it sold. We had that up two days and it sold. Uh, but we had a trophy in a few months ago and that was really, really hard work. Renault perverts are possibly the worst type of car <laughs> yeah. buyers I've came across. Yeah, yeah. They want me to take wheels off and photo the suspension and yeah. all these weird and wonderful requests. Yeah, they weren't prepared to commit to it. Yeah, yeah. So would would that put you off buying another one to sell? I would do it again, but it's they all, they all ask the same questions, even though half of them are in the advert, which was really annoying. Yeah. But each car has their own type of weird people that turn up. Definitely. Do you know what I think the worst? Mazda MX-5s. We've only ever had a couple of them, uh, but you do get quite strange older gentlemen generally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're always like middle age, um, and they just want that full service history by Mazda. 
just, yeah. it's like if it hasn't got that they're not having it it's just, we did gentleman turn up from Newcastle today to see a Porsche Boxster and he did, didn't want it because the service history wasn't full Porsche oh my now, god had he asked us this on the phone we'd have happily told him that it was not full Porsche in fairness the guy went oh sorry that's, that's maybe my fault for not checking but it's what does it matter the, the exactly. car has really good history it's all invoice it's brilliant Exactly. Like, what difference if it had two missing from Porsche? Like, was it was it a different oil that they put in? Was it a different, you know? It's still. I think if we were talking about a, a sixty thousand pound Porsche, it'd be different. The Porsche was twelve thousand pound or something like that. It's it's an old car. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's what's it. But would you have wanted to sell it to somebody like that? You know, we had a Porsche the other week and it was attracting loads of bloody idiots. And then chap that did turn up, like, I mean, it was one of the cheapest on the internet. It was like quite high mileage one, but it had loads of history. And he turned, and it honestly had like tons of stone chips on him. I mean, we've never had a Porsche in the first one, um, but the sufferer, st- am I right in saying that the sufferer looked like stone chips? Yeah, they, they always can do the front, the bump, the bump. It's always yeah. really kind of flat. Well, this one had about 10,000 stone chips on it. It was that bad. And the ch- chap walked up and he went, I'm so happy you haven't painted this. And that was just music to my ears. Him saying that, he went, I love it when a car's honest like this. I'm thinking, oh, thank God for that. And, it, and he, he, he took it. You can't win with that situation. No, because if you hadn't sold to him, the next person would have turned up and wondered about the stone chips. Yeah, yeah. No, he said the last it's the one. It's same with engine base. Yeah. Do, do you oh, engine base? Mate, that, that's my biggest bugbear. Because some people are like, oh, God, why is the engine dirty? And then other people are like, what are you trying to hide? Why is it so gleaming? Exactly, you cannot win <laughs> with that one. Quick, three quick questions before you go. Uh, right, what, what's the best thing about being a car dealer? cars and get to drive nice cars and always change my cars brilliant brilliant uh, and what what app or programme couldn't you live without the BCA app so have you ever tried Mannheim Mannheim's are a lot the, everything's a lot better on Mannheim the descriptions and so on yeah. but their apps and websites are nowhere near as user friendly yeah they're terrible aren't they if they could have it like BCA, I would probably buy a lot from Mannheim. Yeah. But BCA make it so easy for me. I yeah. can be doing anything. I've been in the airport before checking in and I've been buying cars with my other hand. Yeah. It's just it's, so easy to do. That that app was like a game changer, wasn't it, when that app came out? No other option is, is anything like it. No. And I think they're, they're, they've been too slow in the uptake to catch up with it. Yeah, definitely. If Manheim had if Manheim had the same type of um, app, that, that I don't go on Manheim's website anymore. It's just too, it's too. I, I don't know. It's too clunky. You know what I mean? It's yeah, too. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Getting into the halls and all that sort of thing, and it's it's just yeah. It's really you, you get that beep beep when there's car coming up, and it, it's just it's just terrible. It's rubbish. And um, so, and can you leave us with your, your favourite quote, a quote that you live by as a car trader? 
it's one thing I've always liked is it's when it says failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. And you've always lived by that then? Yeah, it's one of, it's quite true, I suppose. Because I always believe if you aim to do something, if you want it enough and you work hard enough, you can do whatever you want. Definitely. Well, mate, it's been really inspiring talking to you. I can't believe you, you, you're only 29, to be honest. Um, yeah, you come across a lot older. And, uh, the, the, the thing that was, even I was I first started and I was kind of early 20s, the thing I used to go all the time was, can I speak to the boss? <laughs> yeah. You are, and people but no, you can't be. <laughs> <laughs> the motorcade's aged me, so although I'm only 29, I probably look closer to 40 at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. You go to bed thinking about it, you wake up in the morning thinking about it, don't you? But... It's a lifestyle rather than a, a job. Yeah, it's not a job. Definitely not. Yeah. It's, it's it's just it's, it's a bloody good laugh at the same time, isn't it? So well, if you enjoy your, your work, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Yeah, that's another saying. I love that one. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, Mark, thank you for coming on. It's been brilliant. Um, are you like on social media or anything? Anyone, can I, do you mind anyone getting in touch with you, asking any questions? No, like not at all. So where can they find you, mate? Oh, that, that would help. <laughs> uh, well, I'm on the car dealer forums, obviously, and my, I use Instagram, MarkTVS, as my username. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. All the best. Thanks, mate.